Welcome to the Coppreneur Path Podcast. Welcome to the show that is all about the path from cop to coppreneur. I'm your host, Adam Wills. With this podcast, I'm going to help equip you for your own post-law enforcement entrepreneurial journey with lessons learned from my experience growing a successful post-Leo business. You'll also get to hear from fellow coppreneurs and experts in business and marketing whose advice will give you an edge against the competition. You are in the right place. So let's get after it. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Coppreneur Path Podcast. I am your host, Adam Wills. And guys, I just want to talk directly to you guys today. So today, I want to talk to you about something that not only do I see in a lot of you, a lot of you coppreneurs that I have met over just crossing paths through this podcast or many of you that are members of the LEO to CEO community and something that I've seen, but also something that I myself struggled with in my journey from cop to coppreneur and in that transition out of my law enforcement career. And it's kind of one of those not so comfortable discussions that we need to have. And it's, it's about overcoming comparison and imposter syndromes. Now, those are two separate things. And yes, we're going to talk about them both in this podcast. They, they are not one and the same, but they do, they do have their similarities. And they are important, especially for us to recognize and understand and have a pathway to overcome these challenges. So let's first start off by talking about imposter syndrome. Where do we usually see imposter syndrome as it relates to our copernural journey? Well, most of the time, it's for those of you cops who are branching out into areas of entrepreneurship that really don't seem to directly relate to your law enforcement career. And so maybe these are things like what I did, right? I stepped out and started a company initially just doing web design that has grown and exploded over the last several years into now a full-scale marketing agency where I'm mainly doing coaching and, and brand messaging. And this imposter syndrome really rears its ugly head here because there is such a, a significant change, a transition from the identity of being a cop into now something new and something different and kind of putting on a different cloak, if you will. And I'll tell you a little bit, you know, as far as my story goes, and and for those of you that have been listening to the podcast since the beginning, you've you've probably heard this story before, or at least in some abbreviated fashion, but I, I actually started my business officially on the side while I was still in law enforcement. And so, you know, at that time it was, it was just kind of a hobby. You know, I enjoyed building websites on the side. It was something that I found to be fun and I was skilled at and I was good at. I really kind of always had this entrepreneurial spirit and and a natural bent towards an understanding and prowess and marketing. I, I hadn't quite recognized that yet. And so I started that business on the side while I was still in law enforcement. And when I left my law enforcement career and decided, you know what, I'm going to do this entrepreneur thing full time and I'm just going to go after it. It was a complete Band-Aid rip, right? (laughs) I spent 15 years in law enforcement and I don't think we realize or take or give enough credit for how much being a cop becomes our identity. 
And I don't think that that happens quite as much in other career fields as it does in law enforcement. Because what we do is such a tight-knit bond and brother and sisterhood. It just becomes this identity. It's what we live. It's what we breathe. It's who we are. And everything that we do every day, whether we're on duty or off duty, has to do with our identity as a cop. It's not something that we can just put away and and quit for the day. You know, I mean, some agencies maybe provide an environment that's a little bit better than others where you can clock out for your, you know, be on your days off and, and forget about work. But still, you are ingrained with the skill sets and the mindset and the tactics of being a cop that you wear that everywhere you go. And when I left my law enforcement career, I had to rip that bandaid off, or at least so I thought I did. In order to shapeshift, if you will, into this new, uh, this this new journey, this new entrepreneurial path of starting and or growing my existing agency, doing web design and marketing, and so I, I I started off by trying to surround myself with groups of people that were part of that identity that I was trying to become, right, and not recognizing that I didn't have to become anything. I didn't have to change who I was. I just needed to grow skills. Didn't have to change anything. And so I I went to this conference and it was a digital marketing summit in, in Denver. And it was thousands of people from different areas of the marketing world with different jobs, different paths. And I didn't fit in. <laughs> I went there and I, you know, I was wearing my 5'11 boots and my 5'11 pants and, you know, polo shirt and, you know, dressing like an off-duty cop and I didn't fit in. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't my group and there wasn't really people that I found a jive with so much. Now, I uh, of course, you know, I could I could talk to just about anybody. That's one of the skills I gained in my law enforcement career. So it wasn't like it was just, you know, me in a bubble. But I felt this strong like overbearing feeling of I was an imposter and everybody knew it. Like it somehow I felt like I was there, didn't belong. And every one of the thousands of people there, every single one of them knew that I didn't belong there. That was what I had in my head. And that mindset didn't really go away. It wasn't something I left behind at that conference. It was something I really carried with me for for about the first year of my business and feeling like everybody else who was in this industry and had been in it for some time feeling like they didn't they they looked at me as an imposter. Oh, you're you're just a cop. What do you know about marketing? And that was something I really struggled with was feeling like I had to somehow prove that I wasn't an imposter. Well, it took me some time to realize that I was the only one that thought that way. Nobody else, at least to my actual knowledge, really thought that I was an imposter and certainly nobody treated me that way. And quite frankly, it was, it was really the opposite. Most people, when I would approach them and tell them, yeah, I just uh, transitioned out of a career in law enforcement, but you know, I really have always loved this marketing stuff and really understand it. And this is, you know, what, what I'm doing now. Most of them responded with support and advice and, you know, resources and things of that nature. And what I finally realized and came to understand was that my imposter syndrome was just, it was just me. It was in my own head. And I was almost maybe a little bit subconsciously using the imposter syndrome as my own crutch 
something to lean on to make an excuse for myself when I didn't feel like I was matching up to the metrics of what I should be doing and what I should be accomplishing in my business at that time, which even that was putting way too much pressure on myself and more than I needed to. And so what I want to tell you guys is that imposter syndrome, it is real. It's a real thing. It's a real thing that we experience, especially, like I said, for those of you branching out into different areas and starting a business that you feel like has nothing to do with your law enforcement career. It is real, but it's a figment of your imagination all at the same time. It's a fabrication. And it is a mindset that you need to overcome and recognize that you're not an imposter. You just are growing and gaining skills. And that was really, that is really what it came down to for me was recognizing that I was just on a path to grow my skills in a different area than what I had. But when it really triggered for me, guys, was when I realized that my experience in law enforcement did, in fact, have a direct nexus now to what I was doing in marketing. And I, and I wish that I had recognized this earlier on, but I think you guys are not giving yourselves enough credit for the skills that you've gained in law enforcement and how that applies to entrepreneurship, no matter what sort of business that you are starting. I don't care if you are going to go be a, an at-home chef or you want to start an oil change business or... <laughs> You get my point. It doesn't matter, guys. It really doesn't matter. So he- here's here's what I found that really created the the connection for me. Most of what I'm doing in marketing is all about messaging. It's all about communication, right? And I worked most of my career in a rural law enforcement agency. In fact, the 4,000 square mile county that I worked in for a period of time, there were times where my nearest backup was over an hour away running emergent. And I- I've done high risk traffic stops on my own, holding a car full of people at gunpoint, calling them back to me, cuffing them up one at a time. I've had situations like many of you have where I have had to use my communication skills with somebody in order for both of us to leave there safely. And that was one way in which my communication skills really applied. But beyond marketing is really all about persuasive writing, guys. And you guys are doing that every day. When you write a report, you are trying to persuade the judge to hear your case. You're trying to persuade the district attorney, the prosecutor to be willing to back your case and fight for it, take it to court and to trial if necessary. And you're also trying to persuade a defense attorney to look at that case report that you put together and say, no, this guy's squared away. He's got his stuff together and he put together a solid case. And I'm going to advise my client that we better take the offer that we were given, right? That's what you guys are doing every day. It's persuasive writing. Okay. And that, that triggered for me. And I'm like, ah, I'm just, I'm just doing persuasive writing again. And then what really put the icing on the cake for me guys was I was a CBSA examiner and one of the interview and interrogation courses that I went to had talked about the concept of narrative transportation theory. And that was the idea of just essentially allowing your, your subject to be able to tell their story and, and leading them in a way, let me rephrase that. Not like, not like leading their statement, but I mean, leading them in a way that encourages them to tell it as a story, right? And walking through their storyline of their, their day and the circumstances and the power that story has to be able to really trigger deep memories for people. And it's that idea of narrative transportation theory. When telling a story, it takes you to that place and time in your mind. And 
it all triggered for me when I found StoryBrand, which is the marketing framework that I'm now certified under. And that framework is based on narrative transportation theory. And when I found that out, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I've been suffering from this imposter syndrome this whole time. And what I didn't realize, what I had no idea of is that I actually possessed a knowledge and understanding of something that directly applied to marketing that was actually far beyond most of the other people in marketing that didn't have the background that I did. So recognize guys that the skills you have, they, they do apply and imposter syndrome is a mindset you need to get rid of. Okay. So now let's move on to comparison syndrome. What is comparison syndrome and where, where do we commonly see the comparison syndrome? So the comparison syndrome really to be opposite of what we've been talking about here is for those of you who may be venturing into some of the more common quote unquote common paths of post law enforcement business. So maybe you are uh, starting a, a training business. You're, you're going out as an instructor and you're, you're teaching other, other cops, or maybe you're starting a executive security company, some of the most common paths, right? And what you're tempted to do, because you're not necessarily dealing with the imposter syndrome on, on the full scale that those are going into something completely different are, but what you're dealing with is this comparison syndrome. And you're looking at maybe existing copperneurs that have started their own training businesses or what have you. And you're looking at that and going, man, look at how successful they are. Why am I not there? Why am I not garnering the attention that they're garnering? Why am I not getting the exposure? Why am I not getting the quality of, of leads or, or the number of, of, of booked training events, right? And I want to caution you against this, guys, because again, the common denominator here are your skills, okay? There's no reason to compare yourself in that way because you just haven't put in the work yet. You need to put in enough work because now I'm not telling you that the work you put in during your law enforcement career as an instructor doesn't apply when you're creating an instructor business. What I'm saying is going out and stepping out into business on your own as an instructor has a whole nother level of challenges and, and things and hurdles for you to overcome that don't exist. Okay. And you have to put in the work in order to succeed and, and build your skills. Okay. There, there are no shortcuts here, guys. So you, you can't immediately go look and say, you know what? I know that guy's teaching an outdated training method and he's wildly successful. And what I have is so much better, but yet I'm not getting the same traction that they are. And so just recognize again, there are no shortcuts. You have to put in the work. So here's what I want to encourage you to do and how to look at this. If you're, if you're dealing with that comparison syndrome and you're like, man, why can't I get there? I just want to be where they are. I want to be six figures or multi six figures or whatever it may be. I want to reach that. How do I do that? Okay. So first and foremost, I want you to think about rather than being envious of someone else's success, reverse engineer it, reverse engineer others success. That is the best way to learn. And in any skill, any industry, look at who is successful. Even if you think that what their offer is, isn't as good as what you have to offer. If they're successful, reverse engineer what they're doing that is successful. And there's a number of ways that you can do this. 
you can, well, first of all, reach out and ask, right? Call, call, reach out, make a connection. Maybe, maybe there's an opportunity there actually for a mentorship or a partnership, but reach out and ask and be like, Hey, what, you know, what kinds of things are you doing? How did you overcome this challenge? You know, allow them to share their insight, their experience. Cause maybe, maybe that you might actually find out from them that it wasn't a smooth path and maybe they made a bunch of mistakes in the same phase of things that you're in right now. And they can save you the same headache that they had to go through, thereby accelerating your success at a faster rate than theirs, because they're saying, you know what? Don't do this stupid thing that I did. Instead, do this, because this is what works. And it took me six months, a year, two years, whatever, to find that. Allow them to use their experience and share it with you to help save you time right? Reach out and ask, ask for resources and materials. You know, what, what sort of things did you do to educate yourself about how to, how to manage your accounting and your books or how to, how to do marketing and how to put together a good website or whatever those things may be. Just ask, ask, and and maybe even in that you'll learn what not to do. Right. So the next thing too, that you can do, and this, this is a tactic that we, we actually is employed a lot in the marketing industry in the marketing space. And it's something that we refer to as funnel hacking. Okay. So funnel hacking just means, all right, you know what? There's their marketing is successful. And I know that they're gaining leads. They're doing really well. They're not having to do cold outreach. Let me, let me hack their funnel. Right. And so what that comes down to is looking at things like, you know, uh, what are they offering on their website as a lead generator? Go, go and take a look at that and download it. Opt in, download that lead generator, see the process. I'm not telling you guys to plagiarize. Please don't plagiarize. Never, ever plagiarize. Chances are that that uh, company put good money and effort into hiring a professional to put that stuff together for them. But most importantly, what happens when you actually take from someone else? that if they did their marketing right, then their marketing was tailored to their specific customer avatar, which may not be the same as yours. And you're just going to end up finding yourself spinning your wheels because you're not actually targeting the people you want to target. But the processes are what I want you to pay attention to. Download a lead generator, identify well, what happens next. What, what kind of information are they collecting? Are they just collecting an email address? Are they collecting email address and name? a phone number, you know, what sort of information are they collecting? What happens next when I download that? You know, what do the emails look like? What sort of things are they saying in those emails? And then, you know, what stuff happens after that? What is the process for taking that cold lead and turning it into an actual sale? That's what funnel hacking is. And that funnel could be things like social media ads, right? Go go and take a look at their social media ads. There's actually a really good resource for this that most people don't know about um, unless you're a marketer. And even most marketers don't know about this unless they're somehow involved with running Facebook ads. But one of the things you can do is you can actually go to the Facebook ads library. And it's I'll I'll put the link in the episode notes, but it's just facebook.com forward slash ads forward slash library. And you can go in there and you can look at Facebook ads that are being run for, you can search by industry. And what's really cool, guys, you can actually go in and search by a business. So if you know that this competitor of yours or or other business that's in the same space as yours that you're wanting to try and reverse engineer their success is running ads on Facebook, 
you can go to the ads library and look at all of their ads and see what they're doing and see what they look like, what sort of copy that they're using on those ads, what they're saying, how frequently they're running ads, how many ads they're running at a time. There is a treasure trove of valuable information there in order to look at. The last thing I want to point out here in wrapping up the discussion on comparison syndrome, guys, is that comparison syndrome, again, like imposter syndrome, it's a real thing. Okay. But there is a method to overcome it. And it is understanding that again, you need to grow skills. Okay. So what a lot of this comes down to guys is that uh, there's an underlying issue here below both imposter syndrome and comparison syndrome. And I'm telling you guys this humbly as somebody that has struggled with this myself, there is an underlying fear. There is fear that is driving imposter syndrome and comparison syndrome. That's it. There's nothing else. It's a fear. You have a fear of failure. You have a fear of not matching up. You have a fear of not being in the right place, right? It all comes down to a fear. And I know that's not something that we want to admit as cops because we're not allowed to be afraid, right? I I get that. But Here's what I want you to know, because I think it's liberating to recognize that this comes down to fear because conquering fear is done by defining it first. Okay. So define the fear. What is it? Well, my fear is, is that I'm not going to be successful. Okay. If that's the case, let's unpack that a little bit. If your if your fear is that you're not going to be successful, then what you need to do is identify where your strengths and skills or strengths and weaknesses are. And understand then what skills need to be added in order to achieve the success that you want. Okay. You guys may have heard me talk about this before, the the concept of skill stacking. If you haven't heard about it, I want you to go back right after this episode and I want you to listen to episode 44. In episode 44 called Skill Stacking for Business and Professional Growth, I have an entire episode where I talk nothing about nothing but skill stacking. And the idea that really success isn't about anything but stacking the right skills at the right time in the right order. And that if you fail to reach goals that you have for yourself, it's really for no other reason than the fact that you failed to recognize the next skill that you needed to, to add in order to get there. It's, it's your fault, bluntly. Okay. So go back and listen to that episode on skill stacking and check that out. The reality is guys here, you know, how, how do you do this? right? An application. How do you understand what's next and, and what, what skills need to be stacked, where your strengths and weaknesses are? It, it is about being introspective. And in order to be introspective enough, you need to have about four or five hours of uninterrupted time each day, or at least every other day in order to accelerate your business growth. And I'm not saying that just means sitting in your office or wherever with your feet on your desk and staring at the ceiling and pondering things might include some time doing that, but you need that uninterrupted time to go and do this reverse engineering, this funnel hacking, and all of these things that I've been telling you about. Identify what are the skills. Do some research and find out what are the skills that need to be built and and then put together an action plan, a tactical plan to achieve those and work towards them. Okay. Without setting aside that time, you're never going to get there. You're just going to be on a hamster wheel. You're going to be treading uh, water and, and trying to keep your head up. Okay. But skill stacking is about knowledge. 
and, and gaining knowledge because more time guys, it does not make better decisions. You can have all the time in the war. And by time, I mean like, oh, I've been in business three years versus one year or 20 years, right? The time means nothing. Okay. You can outgrow a competitor's skills. Somebody that's been in the space you're in for 20 years, you can outgrow where they're at in a matter of a year or two or three. It all depends on how much effort you're willing to put into stacking the right skills. Okay. More time does not make better decisions. More information does. You need information. I want to tell you guys, and you've heard me probably say it before. There are two books that I want to recommend to you that I think are the the, the go-to books as far as information on business. One is Marketing Made Simple by Donald Miller. The other is Business Made Simple by Donald Miller. Of course, I swear by those books because Donald Miller is the founder of StoryBrand, which is who I'm certified through. But those books are phenomenal, guys, and they are going to give you a jumpstart that is far ahead of most business owners, even those that have been in business for some time. And I want to offer again, I've offered it in the past. If you guys want a copy of either one of those books, send me an email right now. Just go to adam at leotoceo.com and send me an email, put in the subject line, I want a book. And then let me know in the email, which book you want, business made simple or marketing made simple. Okay. Let me know. I will send you a copy. I have cases of them in my office. I give them away all the time. I will ship one to you. I don't expect anything in return. Okay. The other thing I want to do, want to encourage you guys to do is, is obviously find a community, find resources. And uh, you guys know that the LEO to CEO community exists. Of course, I want to encourage you guys to check that out. There are copernewers in there. They're sharing all sorts of their experiences and challenges and successes that help you overcome those hurdles, but check it out. But more importantly, guys, I'll leave you with a nugget that's all about mindset as you grow your business. And I want you to think about this and keep it front of mind at all times. And that's don't seek, but be found. Okay. That is, that is your goal as a business is not to seek, but be found at all times. And what I mean by that is you need to stand firm in what you're worth. Okay. Early on in your business days, you're going to have to do some cold outreach. You're going to have to get on the phone and call people and, and send emails pretty quickly. As you grow your business, you want to be found, not, not be seeking because they come off very differently, right? I mean, when, when you are doing cold outreach and calling people, what you're saying is, please hire me, please hire me, which doesn't really look good on anybody, right? I mean, if you're early on, people understand that, right? But it doesn't, it's not a good fit. Okay. It's, it's not a good look on you, but being found means that you have established authority and credibility to the point where instead of you going out and asking people to work with you, they're calling you and saying, please, we want to work with you. Will you take us? I'm telling you guys, that is an exciting place to be. It is, it, it is rewarding and it feels amazing. And that is where you want to get to. And your, your effort in doing that is really, again, it's about stacking the right skills, but it's also about putting out content, put out content to your, your ideal community. And like I said, stand firm in what you're worth, but I also want you to be wise enough to recognize an opportunity in the early stages of things. And that means sometimes you may have to say, you know, you may have to do gigs for, for less than what you think you can command as far as a price goes. When I first started off my side hustle, when I was in law enforcement doing websites, I was only charging like 500 bucks for a website. You know, now I charge a lot more than that early on. I needed those examples. And so don't seek, 
but be found guys. Okay. Let's conquer imposter syndrome and comparison syndrome. They are a mindset and all it takes is the skills to overcome them. All right, guys, it's been good to have you again for another episode. Please do leave a review. I I, I love your reviews and just go to eliotoceo.com forward slash podcast dash review. And you can leave a review on your favorite podcast listening app that helps other copreneurs find the show. And it means so much to me, guys. I appreciate it. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, thanks for sticking around till the end of the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review at leo2ceo.com forward slash podcast dash review or in your preferred podcast listening app. I would love to hear your feedback and it will also help other copreneurs like yourself find the show. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Just go to leo2ceo.com, click on podcast and search this episode number, and you'll find all the links, descriptions, and resources we talked about. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you'll be notified when the next episode is live. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you guys on the next episode.